because making games is easy. Right? Right. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic. And it starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. I'm your host, Kinetic, a.k.a. Nick. And joining me, I suppose we can call you a co-host at this point, yeah, Jeff? Sure, why not? <laughs> Let's just steer into it. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate having your inputs, as always. And uh, joining us again, was here a couple times ago, uh, Damon, how you doing? Hey, guys. Doing well, doing well. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. And, and this week, we're going to pick up, actually, the topic that we uh, sort of set up last time Damon was here, talking about sort of what happens when a game project or a game or a game service dies when it gets sunsetted or or you know shut down is probably how it usually makes headlines in uh, gaming press uh there's and and when we're talking about this we always you have to start off by recognizing anything that's going to get shut down within the scope of kind of what i have in mind to talk about here it's you know stuff like mmos are are the the big things you'll think of i mean the shutdown of city of heroes uh, is a one that cuts deep for me, even if it's an old wound. But uh, there's still plenty of other stuff, and and, uh, people have talked about it, like your free-to-play games. You know, you're spending money on an in-app purchase, but it's a virtual currency, so when the game shuts down, you don't have anything to show for it, as opposed to your boxed product, which you'll have forever, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And one of the classic sort of... Well, I don't want to say classic. I think there's a lot of sort of misconceptions about what goes into this, the decision-making processes, and really the costs involved. So uh, why don't we start with uh, Jeff? This might be a little uh, uh, unusual for the way I tend to do things, but Jeff, I, I, I think one way that would be good to start here is since you're the one who has sort of the non-industry insider perspective among the three of us, if you could sort of give us a little, your your take on when you, what what you feel or what you understand when a game gets when you hear that a game is getting shut down well i usually assume that uh well a couple things have happened that that the profitability of the game has reached has like dropped below some critical mass <laughs> and it's just not uh justifying it ex- its existence anymore and also that i suppose the the human assets that work on it end up getting moved on to new projects or some combination thereof. Um, and it's just uh, not viable to keep throwing resources at the, at the game any longer for a you know, combination of, the, of those things. I, 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 I don't think, I don't think it's happening. I, I, I don't get the sense that when it happens, it's just some knee jerk decision pretty <laughs> you know particularly if the games had like city of heroes like how many years was that game up and running <laughs> like like it, it i i, I get the certainly sense a good of, handful like five or something <laughs> i get i get the sense that this is something that's decided long in advance and it, and it usually the dollars sense and and the 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 human elements uh, in terms of resources are, are are top of the list but um i don't know maybe maybe i'm uh <laughs> more bloodless about it than most I, I know some people get attached to these games and they and they think how could they but i i'm you know I, i'm reminded that these are businesses and that those mm. two factors are probably top of the list that's <laughs> that's one of the interesting things too about city of heroes as an example is that it actually went profitable when they sh- it was still profitable when they shut it down oh okay yeah that, and that was one of the things that caused some controversy among the gaming uh community and and the fans of the game yeah. Um, but they wanted to, uh, it was, uh, just looking at that as a case study. Um, I believe that one was a case where while it was still profitable, it wasn't as profitable as other properties they had. And, uh, that's when you kind of get to some of the human resources you mentioned where they wanted to mm. put those, uh, into something else. Cause if you look at it in a certain way, if you're spending, you know, five on project a and it returns 10, but you're spending, six on project b and it gets 20 back uh then project a is underperforming even if it's profitable yeah uh yeah yeah um damon is there any uh first thoughts you would have on this topic before we start getting into nitty-gritty 
For sure. Well, one thing got to throw out there is they just shut down Club Penguin, like what, last week? Uh, I myself was never a Club Penguin member, but it's been all over Reddit. So perhaps this is a very well-timed podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I will say, yeah, I mean, the opportunity cost sort of argument is definitely one I've heard before, right? That, that right, like, hey, this game is profitable, but this team on this game is really good. And if they made another game or, or they worked on a different project, they could make even more money, um, which I think is what you start to kind of see in those big companies. Like, I'm not explicitly saying these companies are doing this, but, like, if you take, like, an EA or an Activision, right, these are big publicly traded companies, and investors want maximum return. So they're not like, oh, it's profitable. Cool. They're like, you could be getting me $2 instead of $1. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing it for me? Right? Mm-hmm. So you definitely can get those kind of things. Um, but I will say, from the perspective of someone who's worked on a bunch of games that have been shut down, um, the team is usually just as upset as the players. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, generally speaking, games are a creative thing, right? You're working on this game. You care about this game. Um, and when you hear like, oh, your game is getting shut down. We're going to move you to another project. Right. I mean, that that sucks. Yeah. Uh, so definitely the people actually doing the shutting down are not not happy about it. Almost certainly. Mm. Mm. That's that's very true, because you think about it. As a player, you you spend time and got emotionally invested playing it. And, but uh, think about the people who've spent months trying to build it. You think they're not emotionally invested? Mm, exactly. Yeah. Plus, also, like, uh, unlike, I guess, you know, like a TV show where, hey, it's canceled. Like, maybe you rewrite the script of the last episode to give a shitty ending and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can at least like, wrap for, that one up, yeah. Yeah, for a game, sometimes it's like, hey, we're going to shut it down, like, for the next three months, you have to do all this like shutdown work, right? Like we have to like run these long announcements like, hey, spend all your premium currency because game's going away and like mm-hmm. maybe run some events or like whatever. Like you have to do a lot of work sometimes to shut these things down. And shut it's, down like, billing, but keep yeah. the game up. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's a be... thing because you don't want it like really? someone you don't want someone to come in and then not realize the game's going to get shut down and then spend money and then the game shut down yeah. the next day. Yeah. For sure. Um, but sometimes, you know, it can be good. Like, I will say this. Uh, I worked uh, on a title um, in the past called uh, it was a Facebook game uh, put out by and actually did it right. So when we when we shut the game down because it just wasn't very profitable, um, they actually authorized us to spend about a month of time just like removing the server and free to play elements and releasing the whole client as a standalone Mm. Uh, Adobe Air application, and we actually changed it so that when you went to the game on Facebook, uh, you could download your save of your character, so you mm. could play him locally, um, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, the game at the end really didn't have very many players, um, but we kind of felt like, hey, just turning this thing off kind of sucks, and there was like a, a pretty decent amount of work into it, so why not just make it a little standalone thing? Yeah, I think uh, that's uh, that's really doing it right. If I, I that. I've seen other games where I wish there were uh, there was more effort done to try to put it together in a um, preservable state. I suppose you could say. Mm. Of course, For I've sure. other I've also seen other games that were set up as as services or, or free to play games and and whatnot where they really never should have been in the first place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah. and that was that was one of the things with with this game specifically was like it was pretty much a single player game. Like, it had some some multiplayer. I mean, it was one of those, like, early Facebook games where it's like, hey, it's a single-player game, but spam all your friends, and they'll give you stuff in your game, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's the level of multiplayer. It's like you have a friend bar at the bottom. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, there was some cool stuff. We added some, there's like some PvP and, and whatnot that got added in later, but um, but initially it was just, you know, friend bar. Um, so it was well-suited for that, right? Like, you basically, it's like, it's basically a single-player game, so let's just take out the server and make it a single player game hmm. they're cool. obviously games like like game of war could not be like what would no that could never be a single player like, thing yeah so sometimes you know it can't be done yeah uh, um i think uh there, there's also i mean we've been talking about games that uh people like and people like to work on you know, we mentioned, you know, the team being emotionally invested, but there are also times where something <laughs> dies 
and the and team supporting happy. it, the team supporting it is very happy about that. <laughs> now that that might also be, be um, dependent on your particular perspective on the project. You know, the developer versus publisher versus I don't know marketing or focus group running. You know, there's a lot of different depending on the structure of a project. There's a lot of different separate organizations that could have their hands on it, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I have definitely been a part of projects where when they died, we were like, oh, thank God. We don't have to put up with this mm. anymore. Yeah. I, I suppose um, I suppose if, if a game dies, uh, that, you know, pillow in the face, put it out of its misery type <laughs> of, of way, uh, I, I guess a, a company can save face in, in a bit a bit too right like that it's not dragging on endlessly and then they can quietly move on to something else well, instead of I, it I, dragging I, on i think this is a comparison that could be i i don't think i've ever worked on one that operated like this but damon you you may i think you've worked on some more higher profile stuff than i have have you ever been on a project that was popular with the users but the developers hated working on it <laughs> uh yeah i have i have seen some of that for sure um and what actually usually sometimes I've seen, I mean, I would never say someone leaving has ever gotten a game turned off, but there's definitely like some people, I mean, eventually, right. It's your career. And you're like, look, I just don't want to work on this project anymore. I'm getting pigeonholed. People leave. And then it's like, well, do we really want to hire a new team for this game? You know what I mean? Like it mm. can kind of, it can kind of swing that HR argument a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely people who, are sort of, you know, beating the drum for, hey, why don't we just turn this thing off? It sucks to work on. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think production is usually the king there, and they're like, yeah, it may suck to work on, but it makes us all this money, so <laughs> keep working. Yeah, and and that that's also true. There are definitely projects that I've been associated with where the only reason they were proceeding was because they were someone's pet project, <laughs> and, and they were they were, like, never gonna make money like you could you could just do some back of the envelope math and realize that there's been far far too much resources put into this project you know um i i, I worked on one uh and and damon you'll be familiar with what i'm referring to but i won't name it specifically oh <laughs> it well i mean <laughs> I, i'll tell you off the air jeff if you want to see it i think it still exists <laughs> But uh, we're, we're, I'm not associated with it any, in any way anymore. But uh, it, it was sort of ba not exactly based on, but inspired by um, another game that's, you know, not exactly a massive hit, but a long running franchise uh, that's reasonably well known. Right. And they tried to take this and make it a free to play game. And I actually took a look at some projected sales numbers from uh, VG charts and the uh, four major worldwide released installments of this game sold a sum total of 2.3 million units. Now, if you're going to do this in a free to play game, you have to realize, okay, 2.3 million units there. Okay. You're, you're removing the restriction of uh, what your, uh, of people who have the hardware install base. Uh, free to play, play mobile. That is, you're removing the restriction of your uh, hardware install base. So theoretically, your user base could go up. So let's be generous and say that each one of these people was a, a unique user, which is entirely not true. You're going to probably have about 700,000 unique users or somewhere in there uh, across those four titles. Um, then you have to think, okay, how much money are we spending on this? And then you have to think, how much money would an average user spend on their entire lifetime of playing this game. And then you have to ask, okay, how well does this game monetize? And this is where you start getting into the business decisions and math of the game or of the of a project, you know. And this particular project, I saw no reason for anybody to pay for much of anything in it. <laughs> hmm. And 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 I, I'll also point out here that this is where you, you you have to think about, okay, you have to make people want to pay. I mean this is just business got a business, you know? Someone's got to pay the piper eventually. And not only does it have to cover just keeping the servers up, but it, it, it should eventually pay for the actual production of the game. And I couldn't, one, 
I'm sure there was there's been well over uh, let's say five million dollars spent on this project so far, well over. Mm. Um, then if we say two point three million people would install, that's your pro- that's your probable worldwide worldwide user saturation point. Would you be able to count on each of them on average spending three dollars? Yeah. You know, at that point, it's just it, it's not going to it's not going to pan out. And so that's the kind of thing where really that's the point where everyone should say, just look, just shut it down. Just shut it down. It's not going to go anywhere. And I think that kind of gets to uh, something that happens a lot. Um, there's games that get shut down before they're released. Mm. And uh, some people might ask, well, why didn't you just kick it out the door and see what it could do? And yeah, get, get some revenue out of it. You know? Yeah. And with uh, packaged product, there is some reason to that, particularly if it's a, mm. uh, a digital distribution, paid download kind of thing, because you have far less uh, – you don't have to deal with uh, manufacturing and shipping and stuff because that's going to incur a whole lot of costs right there. Um, so if, you, if you're talking about in the old console days, it's like, oh, you got, you know, 80% through the project and you just canned it. It's practically done. Why don't you just kick it out the door? It's like, well, those last steps are going to be really expensive and we don't think it's even going to cover that. I mean, that's going to be a legitimate answer a lot of the time. But for a free-to-play thing, um, oh, God, you, you, you can't just kick it out the door. And, and Damon, if you want to try to elaborate on, on some of those costs that can be incurred. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting uh, thing to talk about, like how free-to-play games sort of work. I mean, basically, <clears throat> you're exactly right. I mean, uh, for the most part, the way you get players in a free-to-play game is you spend money on advertising. Um, because if for those you know listeners who have been in the Apple Store or the Google Store, there's you know a million apps, a billion apps maybe in each one, and the chance that you'll actually just find them randomly are pretty low so i'm gonna to have to spend money uh you know on facebook or other ad providers to get you in there so i'm already paying some cost right and and let me tell you the game company has figured it out already they know how much they have to pay to get you in there uh and if the average user doesn't give you more money than that then even yeah. launching it is a losing proposition right if i'm paying a dollar per player to get them in there and they give me 10 cents back then <laughs> Well, launching it would actually be worse for my financials than just cutting the game. Now, some there's some some factors, right? I mean, obviously, if Apple or Google features you, then that's a lot of free money. So, you know, you can definitely ship games where it's like, hey, the metrics on this game are bad, but we've convinced Apple or Google that it's the next best thing, so they're going to feature <laughs> it. And it's like, well, then there that's sort of your that's sort of your let's just release it and see what it does because Apple or Google is going to give us free marketing. Um, but if you don't get that support, then it's sort of like, hey, we already know that every user we bring into this game loses us money. So the most the, the most profitable thing we could do would be to bring in zero users. <laughs> yeah, because you can't you can't just kick something out onto the storefront and hope people find it. It exactly. will it will absolutely get crushed if you do that. You, you're you're going to get like five users. Exactly, and and again, right? Like what we were saying. I mean, if if it's your if you're your own little side project game or whatever, then it's fine, right? I mean, hey, look, I, I have a full-time job and I made a little mobile game. I'm going to kick it out to the store. And if a thousand people download it, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That's that's one, that's one thing, right? That's fine. That's cool. I mean, good for you for having a game out there. Um, but for a big company, it's like, well, the game's out there. Like, we still have a team attached to it, right? They, like, you can't just kick it out and have nobody on the project. So it's like, if, if your game is only going to get a thousand installs through osmosis or whatever like how many people can you pay to actually work on it probably zero yeah so it's sort of you know and and furthermore i mean there's still those the if it's going to be a free-to-play game if it's a tied to a server then there's going to be server costs that you have to maintain as well uh and and if it's going to be a small personal project one you're probably not going to have a server two if you do have a server it's probably going to be so small you could run it off of your own laptop or like a, a, a what are they called like micro or nano instance on Amazon yeah, yeah. web services that cost like five dollars a month or something yeah exactly yeah. you know and that 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 would be up there with like you know 
this podcast in terms of cost. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I think that's, that is one of the great things about the, the low barrier to entry in the app stores is that it does let a hobbyist get a game into a store, right? Yep. And then they can, they can link it to their friends and family and, you know, share it yep. around at the bar or whatever. And, it's and cool. you can use it in your portfolio if you're, if you want to be a professional and you want to be a designer. You know? Absolutely. And every Absolutely. once in a while, you might wind up with a Flappy Bird. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true, exactly. Yeah, which, which, viral. <laughs> which I still I still take exception to when that one came out. A whole bunch of people said, this is a terrible game. No, it's not. It's actually a pretty good game. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, for a big company, it cuts both ways, right? Like that same, like, hey, look how low the barrier is. It's great. Hobbyists, same reason why a big company needs to spend, you know, lots of marketing budget to actually get their game installed, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is which is one of the things that I've, I've kind of seen trending on the industry is like, at least for free to play, is like IPs are starting to be huge, right? I mean, we've seen like Marvel Contest of Champions is is pretty big game. Uh, there's a new Power Rangers game just came out, all that kind of stuff, and uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like people won't find your game just because it's cool, mm-hmm. but if it's Power Rangers. <laughs> like you better believe like the kid is going to go see the movie and he's going to search on the phone like, Oh, power Rangers, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, there it is. Um, so that's, that's definitely happened. I mean, that's definitely a big thing in mobile now is, is like the IP games. It's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like, sorry, kind of going on a long tangent here, go for but, it. uh, you know, around like what, 2007, 2008, when the, when the economy went bad, uh, big game companies stopped making as many of those like really bad triple a game movie tie-ins yeah you know the like yeah. oh it's five hours of really buggy content that we're just going to shovel into eb games and hope that like the kid goes by right after the movie and buys um because people didn't have as much money and they were like ah, oh, we don't want this anymore um and i kind of feel like free to play is going to be the next place for those because mm-hmm. the ip is so strong it like it helps you with discoverability in the store so much yeah. Plus the barrier to entry is so low. I mean, even those like crappy AAA console movie tie-ins were tens of millions of dollars to make. Mm-hmm. Whereas, <laughs> how much does a free-to-play movie tie-in game cost? Like maybe one or two million. And depending on how you run it. I mean, like I said, right. there was that other one that I'm pretty sure cost more than five million, and no one's no one listening to this will have played it except for the people who worked on it. <laughs> for sure. That's true. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, yeah, a, a properly a properly run mobile game, yeah, you can probably get a decent one out for one or two million. Yep. And so yeah, so you know, and then hey, I mean, a let me tell you that Apple and Google love movie t- like they love games that people want to find. Like, oh look, we have the new Power Rangers game because they can upsell, right? Like, yeah. hey, you should buy an iPhone so you can play the Power Rangers game that's featured in our store right now. Yeah. Or just anything like, uh, that gets more traffic on their stores. Exactly. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. I mean, they did, I remember what, last, at the end of 2016, they did the month of Star Wars in the App Store. Obviously, I mean, why not? It's Star Wars. Everyone's talking about it. Um, movies are coming out, whatnot. And yeah, I mean, they had all the games and apps and whatever. And if you had a Star Wars game in that time, you did not have a discoverability problem. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, barely had to lift a finger, and people would have been looking for it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. So. Yeah, there's. I I, I think th- there's probably some analysis to be made there for, um, just sort of the 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 general power and the general trends in the industry to do some of those marketing tie-ins. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you should have a marketer on, and they'll give you the, the insights. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, have I had one on before? I don't think I've really <laughs> had one on before. That could uh, be a good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just giving you the water cooler perspective, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. So, um let's see. What other what other I don't know. Uh Jeff, do you have any other questions about uh, uh some of this process? Well, a, cu- a couple things I thought about. One is that um is it ever the and I I guess this is a question for you guys directly cuz uh you've obviously worked hands-on. Is it ever the case that a game that that uh that one of these ones that dies before it gets off the ground or, or gets killed before it gets off the ground, I guess is a better way to put it. Is it ever the, ca- the case that the work or the assets or stuff that was created for a game that's dead ends up actually coming in handy for a future project and it ends up being re- recycled? Yes. Officially for something else? 
Yes, it does. <laughs> I had a feeling that might be the case. Uh, sometimes to good effect, <laughs> and sometimes to really, really obnoxiously frustrating effect. Yeah. Because you, if you know, it could be art that you're reusing, and that's yeah. just you know, it's art. Sometimes it can be tech that you're reusing. And maybe yeah. that tech wasn't necessarily the best tech or wasn't as good as people thought or it just has inherent problems that hadn't been addressed before. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, Damon, this, you, you probably know what I'm getting at here with the whole <laughs> uh, uh, client server authority. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I will say that, that basically, uh, you know, as we were saying, right, I mean, you may kill a game for financial reasons, but then you sort of also go through this like macabre necromancy as it's often referred to by <laughs> engineering teams involved where you're like, well, this game's not good, but like, what can we save or reuse? Because we obviously just spent maybe several million dollars building it. It'd be a shame for like all of that to go to waste. And yeah, uh, yeah to your point, I mean, basically you can run, you can run to these situations where tech gets salvaged, but sometimes it's not good tech. Like, Mm. You know, maybe, hey, we were racing to meet a deadline and we wrote like a bunch of hacky stuff to get it done in the last month. Because if we didn't get it done, the whole project was going to get canceled, (laughs) but it got canceled anyway. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, but then, you know, that gets salvaged. And then, you know, the next project starts off all nice and slow paced as usual. But you've inherited this like crappy rush code and it can be bad. I mean, that's that can happen. But then again, sometimes it can be good. Like I've definitely seen projects where like the engineering was never the problem right it's like hey you're you're really make doing a good job of making a bad game right like the engineering <laughs> is on point the actual game you're, that the designer has designed is not good but like yeah. the engineers executing it good job uh and that tech can get reused to like to great effect right i mean you can kind of build some core tech especially if you're if it's um the same developer has, you know, enough money or enough studio backing or whatever to, to take multiple shots on goal, so to speak, to ship multiple games. Yeah. Like even a couple failures can go a long way in building out like that platform that enables that final success to like really kind of go far. Yeah. I think so, about like, is there a, is there a game engine out there that the first game they made with it was a disaster and then the second or third one just was a huge hit and all that work was paid off finally, you know, from the initial project. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. I, I, I feel like I should be able to name a project that did that off the top of my head, <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. Oh, and I'm also really frustrated because while Damon was talking, I thought of two, two points I wanted to bring up and they have both slipped my mind. <laughs> Sorry, man. I just, I just talked for too long. Get me oh, going. no, no. I, I'm not that. No, that's a me thing. That's not a you thing. <laughs> I, I had a question at the other end of the scale where uh, about, you know, a game that's being put to put down after a, a lifespan. Um, and and I guess the the idea of that Penguins game you mentioned sort of came up. Is there ever is there ever a right way to incentivize people to sort of jump across to your new venture like like i think this penguin game you mentioned is actually being reborn as something else like is there is there a right way to sort of incentivize people to 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 migrate with you a journey to the to the new game in a, in a way that's not going to piss them off or that that's actually going to keep them as existing customers that'll readopt the the new game or is that just a, a hit and miss type proposition well, i mean it's definitely it's definitely a dicey subject, right? I mean, I think mm. no one no one feels kindly about the company that's like, hey, we're killing this five-year MMO thing that you love. By the yeah. way, the sequel comes out next week. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and here's some free some right. free magic beans for you to right, exactly. play the new game. Um, yeah. so, so there's definitely right and wrong ways to do it. I mean, and, and plus you get hilarious situation well hilarious is maybe a strong word people at sony might disagree but you have like everquest right everquest <laughs> one still running right people still playing it paying for it mm. love it everquest two i i don't think it's still running actually and maybe it is I, I might be wrong there uh but my understanding is everquest one much more popular making more money than everquest two if everquest two is still running which i believe it's not um mm. so you can definitely kind of get that 
like reverse situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, canceling a game and releasing its sequel at the same time is like just such a naked cash grab mm. that mm. I don't think anyone feels good about that. Uh, the right way to do it, I guess. I mean, if just guessing, like I don't know how I would feel about Again, it. Again, you're not the marketing person, <laughs> for sure. But but even I mean, maybe go back to EverQuest. Like they basically were like, look, EverQuest one, we're gonna keep it going, we're never gonna shut it down. Here's EverQuest two. We made it better. It's a better game. We think, you know, come play it. But we're not gonna shut down EverQuest one and maybe incentivize like, hey, bring your character over or bring some yeah over. Or, like, there's a reason to move to the new game, but we're not, like, we're turning off the old game, so you have to buy a new game, right? Like, that's where it gets bad. Don't strong-arm people into doing it? (laughs) Like, make make them want to or try to make them want to? Well, and there's also some some variations that you can have in this situation, because in this case, you know, EverQuest 1, it's still going strong and making money. If you have a sequel coming out, because the original is not making money, then you have other stuff. Or if you have a new game coming out and that's unrelated, it's not a sequel or anything, but it's just the same, you know, development team or publishing house, uh, then you might want to try to take certain uh, uh, users in the old game and say, look, you know, you're a. I, I really don't like the term whale, and I know it comes from gambling, <laughs> but it's what everyone yeah. uses. I prefer VIP. Because, I mean, that's what every other industry would call a high-spending user that, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, reach out to your VIPs. Reach out to your high-spenders and say, look, you know, we appreciate that you have uh, put so much into our game. Uh, we are shutting this one down. You've spent enough in this that we don't want to just leave you in the lurch. We have these other games. If you would like to you if you would like to play one of them, we will compensate you f- some in-game currency for those games because of how much you spent in this game. And that's a very hands-on approach, so it, it's it's not something you can really do across the board for everybody who spent a dollar on the game over all time. Mm. Mm. Um, unless you have some other kind of cross-game back-end tech. Which, in turn, is why you know you would focus on your, your high spenders to do this. But that's another way you can incentivize people to stay... Maybe not with a particular game, but within your market, with, you know, keeping them as a customer. Mm. And I've seen that done when games get shut down. And that was a case of a game that was no longer profitable, or at least was so on the margin it didn't really serve any purpose. There have been bugs that have been haunting it for months that, because the developer wasn't working on it anymore, we knew wasn't going to get fixed, so. Mm. Yeah, sure. Also, I just want to chime in that since I am on a computer, did some research, EverQuest 2 is still running. My apologies to any EverQuest 2 fans who are like, you asshole, our game's still alive. Um, but if you go to both EverQuest and EverQuest 2's website, you can see that EverQuest 1 has more servers and more people. So my argument <laughs> is still correct. It's valid. It's valid. Some of the particulars yeah. were incorrect, but the general point is valid. Exactly. Exactly. And EverQuest 1 apparently, I mean, I guess since I already kind of shot on EverQuest 2, I should plug something for EverQuest 1. Uh, they're releasing their 23rd expansion. Wow. Like, Evercrack, wow. still going strong. Yeah, exactly. Still going strong. Isn't Ultima uh, Online still on, too? They, they relaunched that, I think. Yeah. It, was, it was off, and then I think, I want to say EA relaunched it. Man, someone is going to be mad at me. They're like, you're just throwing out things with no facts. <laughs> uh, uh. It's... 1997 still going jeez yeah i mean that's um i mean that's back there with what was it meridian 51 which was basically the first <laughs> modern mmo jeez. i think that's yeah. what it was oh boy um but there's a there's actually another uh sort of type of game shutdown that we haven't quite gone into yet and it, it it's almost exclusive to free to play games and that's shutting down a game while it's in soft launch so for those who aren't familiar, I mean, I've talked about it here before, but in case you haven't heard me detail it before, soft launch is when a game is released not worldwide. It's restricted to certain regions. I I actually, now that I think about it, I think Tekken 7 would technically count as in soft launch right now because it's available only in select arcades and hmm. it's not available everywhere. I freaking want it. I've been waiting very patiently. Man, I'm going to start streaming that when I get it. 
put up or shut up time for me, I guess, start playing publicly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's plenty of games that, you know, you, you don't necessarily have, like, a huge bow wave. It doesn't look like it's a dead man walking, and you put it in a soft launch to see how it'll do. And that's going to be probably 90% of game projects that would fall into that envelope. You put it into a soft launch in a region, you start out in, say, the Philippines, just to make sure that, you know, it'll actually work with live users and not in your test environment. And uh, then you start expanding and try to see if the uh, the actual business side, like if, if it'll monetize well or whatever. Like I said, this is primarily for free-to-play games. And there's points there where there's a lot of agonizing that can happen because uh, if the numbers aren't good enough, but they're not horrible, like is there mm. still work that we can put into this? Can we save this? Can we get it to the point where we can release it worldwide and it won't lose money? Uh, and that, I think, is the roughest line to walk um, because there's it, it, it hits design issues. It hits engineering issues. Uh, Damon, have you ever been on a project like that where the you've been asked to see if there was a way you could save money on like server resources? To oh, see yeah, if for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say, yeah, soft launch, soft launch is an interesting period because it, like you say, I mean, you, you have, you get, you start getting real numbers, right? Real math comes into play. And then if the math's good, then everyone's happy and soft launch is almost like a celebratory period. But if the math is not good, then it's like, it's awful, right? It's like, yeah, engineers, can you cut some costs? Designers, it's not making enough, it's like, it's not making enough money or, or people aren't staying long enough. And the thing You're that, losing a third of your users in the introductory funnel. <laughs> exactly. And I think you get this interesting sort of situation where, you know, prior to this point, everything is theoretical, right? Like, oh, we think this feature might be better. We don't know. But now you have real people, so there's numbers. And it's like, we think this feature will be better. We ship it. Uh, it's not better. Or it is better, hopefully. Right? Or it's hopefully. worse. That can happen, too. Or it's worse. Right. And so it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I don't think... I think there are people who definitely don't respond well to that tight of a feedback loop. Like when, like you ship a feature and it's mobile. I mean, we're talking about mobile, right? So if, if, if it's a mobile game, some of these features are like a week of development. Like it's not a couple months baking out some new thing. It's like ship it. Hey, look, like we brought in some new users. They're doing worse than our old users. This feature bad. And it definitely is like a tight feedback loop that some people are not used to. Um, also, it can be really demoralizing when you when you ship mm. like, you know, an update every week and none of them are helping. And you're just like, at some point, you know, you just feel like, well, I guess the core of this game is just not good. On the flip side, those updates start if, when you when you have a game that is doing well in soft launch and every update makes those numbers better, then everyone's getting excited and you kind of really build this momentum so that when you actually do launch, you're sort of ready to keep working. Because I think uh, with free to play, especially developers especially if they've never done free-to-play before they get blindsided when it's like i feel like for a triple a you know console release it's like the day you ship is like the day you sort of like take a breather maybe go to the bar and celebrate whatever for a free-to-play game it's like we shipped now comes the hard part yeah yeah of like actually keeping this thing running and uh actually listening to users feedback and, and quickly iterating because um, again right on, on mobile it's like you get the, the barrier to entry is so low that you get maybe 30 seconds to impress someone. And if you have a bug in your first 30 seconds, you better believe there's going to be a producer screaming at you until that shit is fixed. Yeah. Cause that that's because it's a live service. You know, when you, when you release, you, you may have a few moments of celebration like, yeah, we made it. And then you, then you're on high alert. Exactly. That, that, that's when, that's when the watchdogging starts. And then, you know, hopefully after a week or two, it's still standing and yep. then you can start and and then you'll have like, Oh, this is doing well. Oh, this is not doing well. Hopefully it's doing well. And then you can start celebrating. Exactly. But Plus, still, I mean, you're going to be gu on guard the entire time because it's a service. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's something that, you know, to reiterate, it's like, especially for even these like single player ish free to play games, right? Like almost certainly there's a server there because I mean, if, it's, if the game is free, you have to pay thing, pay for things in the game. So there needs to be something to prevent you from stealing, which would be a server. And so, you know, if those servers go down, then no one can play. 
which yep. is bad. So, so you know, server engineers, uh, of which I am a server engineer, like are, are, are always on high alert sort of during that launch month. You're kind of just keeping an eye on it. I mean, you know, every inevitably, right? Even even nowadays, I guess even AAA games have this problem. Like, you know, you, you try and log into your game. And it's like, nope, server's down, can't play. And you're like, but I just want to shoot robots. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> that's not even your fault. It could be that uh, an Amazon engineer accidentally uh, deleted the wrong file. <laughs> Yeah, on yeah, their server for farm. Sure. Oh, that was a bad day. I feel bad for that guy, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like uh, soft launch is a is a is a trying time, but uh, that 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 is also a really important thing. I mean, this is another like I wrote an article talking about the importances of soft launch, and and, and you know the the business uses of it. But if you're gonna kill a game. That's probably the best place to do it because, I mean, we were talking about, you know, uh, IP and its importance in mobile. And not all of it is third-party IPs like a movie tie-in, but there's also, you know, I don't want to say homegrown, but, you know, platform-specific IPs like um, Supercell's Clash, uh, you know, Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. And yep. they even have the cartoon tie-in Clash-O-Rama, which I actually think is pretty funny. Um but uh, they canned a lot of games in soft launch. Um, I played one of them, Spooky Pop. Did you see that one, Damon? I have not seen that one. Yeah, I did I, not see that one. I guess. It was it was like a couple of years ago, and it was hmm. it was not good. <laughs> it, it it honestly wasn't. In fact, that was part of their advertising when Clash Royale came out pointing out that they they try to make sure all of their games are good, and to get this hmm. good game, they killed. To get this great game, they killed six good games. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was, it was like Spooky Pop, and they, they, they listed several others, I think one of which I looked at or something. But yeah, they they, they listed games that they killed uh, in order to make sure that their, uh, their next release was as good as they could get it. And that is another one of those really fuzzy things that you have to look at when you're canceling a game, because sometimes you might even have a game. I'm just going to put out a hypothetical situation here. You have a game. It is actually profitable, maybe even very profitable, but it's unpopular. And by that, I mean like you get feedback that this is let's again, it's hypothetical. So let's just paint this out as a thought experiment. It's very profitable, but very unpopular because people see it as very exploitative. Whether or not it actually is is irrelevant, but it's perceived that way. So, do you release that and make money, but take a hit to your um, to your company's reputation? Because in these storefronts, you know, you can see who made it and who else is associated with it and, and other games by these people. And if you release that and make money, is that going to have a negative impact on your other games? Versus... If you have a game that doesn't make money well, may not, maybe not even cover its own server costs, but it's very popular and, and you know people like it a lot, do you release that and keep it up so that your portfolio looks better? You know, and that's you know, and that kind of also feeds back to the uh, earlier point Damon made about releasing it on uh, iTunes or the Google Play Store and getting featuring because that'll have a secondary effect of you know, people will download that, they'll like it, and they'll look at other games by you, and they'll be able to, to get into those. I've seen that effect before, you know, we released one, we, we've had a, a small portfolio of games release one game that did really well, and other games had a, a boom. They, they had uh, additional users come in because of the interest that this other game generated. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure I have a question about that, but it's a, a, a hypothetical to consider, you know? Just a balancing yeah. act that has to be um, considered. Definitely, I think also uh, the the non mobile portfolio of said company would would make a big difference. So, like to your point, right? Like if I'm if I also make let's say AAA console titles, sixty dollar box product console titles, then having my brand tarnished on mobile, like it may not actually affect the mobile game, but it may affect my console game sales. When people are like, oh, look at this company doing these terrible things. Because, like, console game researchers, I mean, console game buyers, I think, do a lot of research, right? Like, they, the game costs 60 bucks. It's not, it's not free. It's not like, uh, oh, this Facebook ad looks good. Let me try this game. It's, you know, 
I'm going to do some research. I'm going to read reviews, whatever. And so if you have that reputation from exploited multiple games or whatever that, or, or free to play PC games or what have you, and then you try and ship a $60 title, people may sort of be skeptical. Uh, likewise, right. If you ship some, some awesome mobile games that are not financially successful, but like very high quality, people might say like, Hey, they did really great on these. Let's give their $60 game a chance. Um, so, yeah, you know, brand, brand building. I mean, again, you should, you should really get a marketer on, uh, but brand <laughs> building is definitely valuable. Like I've, I've definitely worked at places that have sort of taken an L like they're like, yep, this game is going to get a lot of good reviews. People who play it are going to give it five stars, but not many people are going to play it and it's not going to make any money and they'll, they'll ship that. Yeah. Um, and that's, so, um, that actually was a question. Jeff, did you ask me that about releasing prestige games for awards? Uh, someone asked well, me that. A couple, couple episodes ago, I don't, yeah. I, I can't remember. I mean, it sounds familiar, but I don't know if it was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you heard someone else ask it on an on an earlier episode. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that that is a concept that came up, and I suppose the answer really is it's less. It, it, you can have those loss leader prestige games, but they're not necessarily for awards. Although awards would be nice, it's more for customer sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, at least on mobile for platform featuring for sure. I mean, I feel like if you're delivering those high quality games, even if they are loss leaders, as you say, like it, it makes the platforms like you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that can that can help. Right? I mean, if you have a guy, quote unquote, a guy at Apple or Google or whatever, um, who's like, yeah, we love this game that you did before, they'll probably take a meeting with you for your second game, and if they like your second game, they might feature you, right? Like there's there's a lot of black magic that goes into getting featured um, and having a strong portfolio is definitely helps. Right? Yeah. Um, also to that point. Oh, sorry. Sure. Sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. Is that if your game is actually getting badly reviewed, like, like you say, you have that super profitable, but everyone hates it, but somehow they give you money game. Uh, they will not feature it, right? They're not going to feature a two star game, even if that two star game is massively profitable because mm-hmm. like, what does that say about Apple? If they're like, look at this two-star game, you should play it. It's like, because why? You get that thirty percent of their money, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so they want to feature. A reason? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They want to feature those like four or five-star games only. Yeah. So the 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 platform itself has its own, um, you know, prestige or or um, brand management that they have to consider too. So they'll go for the the well thought of titles. Exactly. Exactly. They want you. They want to. Feature games that when you know parents look at it uh, before they give their their phone uh, their kid the phone. There we go. They don't want to be like, oh, what are you? What are they showing my kid? Like, I don't want them to see that, mm-hmm. right? Which is one of the reasons why uh, fake casino games never get featured. Yeah. Even though they are both usually well reviewed and highly profitable, they don't get featured because of the stigma attached. And like, mm-hmm. as a parent. Like you probably don't want a, the big banner on iPhone to be like "Go play banana slots," right? <laughs> if they ever did, is... if they ever did get any featuring, it would probably be one of those like buried ones. It's like, oh, here's new, uh, uh, like you have to go to games and then a subfolder and then another subfolder. It's like, hey, it's featured in there. Oh, great, the the screen that <laughs> nobody goes to, <laughs> buried. Exactly. Yeah, the, no, that or and then you have to swipe to the right three times to get there on the on the bar, you know, something. Yep. But uh, yep. another another thing actually that came to mind that has to be considered when canceling a game is, and this goes back to marketing. Ah, holy crap! Yeah, I do need to get a marketer on here and discuss some of this stuff. Um, if 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 you've already had marketing tie-ins like physical marketing tie-ins that are already out or commercials that have already run or something like that, uh, you might be pot committed to actually getting this thing out. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, Damon, I know there's a, there's an example <laughs> that we could cite, but we won't. <laughs> yeah. There sometimes you're pot committed. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. And the other thing is it, it kind of depends on what the tie-in is, right? Like, um, when I worked at EA, we had some tie-in products, which were like, there was no real marketing around them, but they kind of all sort of like, they were used as marketing almost. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, those were going to get shipped no matter what, right? Like those were, those were, those were marketing channels for a AAA game that might bring in installs. And it's like, Hey, I don't care if, if your marketing tie in game is not profitable. Like if it brings me a thousand users, then, you know, or if it sells, you know, 10,000 box copies, then who cares? Right. So, um, that definitely can happen. I think when it goes the other way is when you may be able to sort of not be pot committed when it's like, Oh, the console game is trying to sell the mobile game, but the mobile game's not good. Then you may be like, well, let's cancel the mobile game because it might actually, you know, make the console game look worse. Mm. So to speak. Yeah. There's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's probably a few instances of that, especially because, you know, mobile is still not necessarily the most, uh, uh, matured medium for a game. I mean, you yeah. you you can have uh, reasonably good um, conversions of games like Telltale. Like the Telltale games, you know, it doesn't matter what you're playing that on; they'll work fine. Um, and you've got you know tie-in things like the uh, Grand Theft Auto. What is it? iFruit or whatever yeah. Uh, yeah. app yeah. tie-in. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah. sort of a companion thing. And then there's you know just you know not ports, just another thing in the, uh, using the property, but it's a completely different game. So for sure. Yeah. All that I stuff. Think, I think, uh, yeah, the companion app space is really still being explored pretty well. I actually have worked on some pretty cool companion apps and then it's kind of disappointing when like no one plays them or uses them. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but there's definitely some cool stuff. I mean, I think iFruit I've heard, I don't, I'm not a big GTA player i actually only recently got a console but um <laughs> uh, for this generation i should say yeah i had a 360 for a long time um but yeah i've heard good things about about ifruit that it is actually kind of like is a pretty good companion app does some cool stuff yeah and that's and that's one of the things that's really important for picking up those companion apps is making them actually feel worthwhile in the game yep <sighs> definitely and and that, that those things are also they're so subservient and in service to the console game that you know um, killing those as projects is almost you know it it doesn't matter you're not really concerned with how they perform yeah so long as they don't harm the brand in some way <laughs> and if they're a companion app they probably won't you, exactly you'd you'd probably have to actively screw up to to get that to happen yeah for sure the companion apps are are pretty hard to do. Wrong, I guess, unless they wrong to the extent of being destructive at any rate. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, it can be the companion app itself can be bad, but but then people just be like, oh, whatever, this companion app's bad, but the game's still good, hopefully. Whatever. And the other, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, continue. I was gonna say, but the other way, when you're like, oh no, we're making a real free-to-play mobile game, or maybe not free-to-play, but whatever, mobile game, which we want to make money from that, then you get into the like, well, if that game's bad. Then it's like tarnishing, maybe, or who knows. <sighs> so, yes, one note to take from this conversation is I need to get a marketer on here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. Another another one that's something that we've gone kind of unsaid, but is still an important thing, and is actually kind of topical given some of the the, the some points of news that have come out recently. Is you know we're talking about when we were talking about soft launch, we're talking about the numbers and, and funnels and whatnot, and that's all analytics. So we should probably also have someone on to talk about uh, analytics in depth. Yeah, that would also be good. Yeah. Numbers, so, people. Numbers. Bust out that Rolodex. Yeah. I'll, find, I'll find somebody. I'll find somebody. Uh, yeah, now my brain's stuck on thinking who. I'm sure I'll be able to find somebody. <laughs> Oi. Um... Does anybody have any last words on this topic? I think I think I've covered my questions. Alrighty, I think we got a good yeah good uh, wrapping up there. And uh, so instead of asking for a, a story uh, this week, uh, I actually dug out my old. I, I, when Rue was on the show, I talked about this. Was the list of quotes, the lines that we overheard in the office that were just really weird. And really funny to take out of context. And I figured I'd read through some of them. Um, and I have 52 of them right now. In fact, one of them just came from this week. So I'll start. <laughs> no, I won't start there. I'll... And there's 52 of them, so I don't think I'll read the whole thing unless everyone's cracking up, in which case I don't see any reason to stop. So uh, 
Number one, uh, I broke the button off the front of my pants trying to get them off. <laughs> Number two, uh, the only thing that was good was the sound of your body making it. Number three, Troublemaker broke my magic tube. Number four, there's a Romeo monkey and a Juliet monkey. Number five, that Romeo and Juliet really got me going. <laughs> Was it the same Romeo and Juliet? I'm, I'm actually trying to remember. <laughs> um, I can't remember why Romeo and Juliet was coming up all the time. Um, that wouldn't be cool because you were poking me with it yesterday. <laughs> yes, a lot of these have some double entendre value to it. Um, I fall the way I try to reduce my hurt. Uh, I'll take yo mama for 50. <laughs> Isn't it time for you to go home? Damn it! That one deserves a little bit of context. Because um, that was at the end of the day, and uh, one, of, one of the guys would try to leave to catch a train. And when... So he had to leave like a couple minutes early, and when he was pointing out that it was time for someone else to leave, that was him realizing that he was late himself. Uh, yeah, it's never good, especially when you're beholden to the train schedule. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the same time, if you're beholden to a train schedule, it can put a hard limit on how much overtime someone's asking you to do. That is also true. Okay, number 10. Another 10 seconds, I was going to lick them both. Uh, 11. Peachy Pete over there can get a little frisky. Uh, I'm going to redact a name here. No, those are his balls <laughs> in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> 13 don't you swirl your snapple at me buddy uh 14 it kind of gets absorbed into the glove and bounces off the wall wow i had to stop and remember how that one worked uh, 15 you cannot ask a taxi to go above 100 16 at least look at me when you do this <laughs> 17 how does this involve midgets 18 stop pumping i know what you're doing 19. God damn it, right in the nipple. A lot of these also have to do with uh, Nerf guns. Uh, 20. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. Santa with no weapons. Uh, 21. Uh, someone holding a Nerf dart. How did this get into our area? Response. We were giving him a, a send-off. He was going to uh, leave to go to a wedding. We're followed by an aww. So that one was a transition from indignant to charmed. <laughs> the drop of a dime uh oh yeah he certainly isn't in it for the hepatitis uh 23 uh you think that funny oh. okay uh and that's half the list um <laughs> I'll, i think i'll do the other half another time <laughs> so yes always funny to find something that you can take out of context <laughs> and especially when you have to stop and think about what it was that brought about the line in the first place. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll be it for this week. Uh, I got two topics I got to get to <laughs> next. Uh, well, uh, thanks, Damon, for joining us for this conversation. Yeah. Always fun to be here, guys. And uh, yeah. And uh, thanks again, Jeff, as always. Thank you. All right, and uh, if you if there's anything you'd like to see me write about on the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about here on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at uh, kinetic at enthusiasts.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiasts.com. And, oh, look at this. I actually also finally got on Twitter. So if you want to get a heads up on what we're going to be talking about on the next Behind the Line Radio and uh, issue questions or comments there, you can... Hit me up at Kinetic Nose. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K-K-N-O-W-S. I'll see you all next time. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. 
Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiasts. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiasts, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiasts.